Welcome to Well Maybe, a podcast about our communication and leadership. I am your host, Breon Fraction, along with Alan Ward, consultants and strategists, and just two ordinary guys in the world of workplace and community engagement. Breon Fraction, and I'm sitting here with Alan Ward, my co-host, that when I came into the government business is someone who helped coach me and mentor me through the process, and some of those processes we'll be talking about. What I would like Alan to do is is talk a little bit about some of the roles that you've played in this government space and and also outside of um, the government in private sectors and, and nonprofit sectors. I've worked for about 30 years now, primarily with government agencies, but also with some other, uh, I've had the opportunity to do some consulting work with some outside agencies as well. And uh, really, most of my work has been surrounding how we can help build communication with one another, how we can uh, really help one another to be better at uh, leadership, how we can coach one another to be better, and in general, hold ourselves accountable to, to being better as well. Some of that better that I believe you're talking about, Alan, is how do we have more self-awareness and awareness of others so that we can basically build together, right? If there is a problem within how we produce, right, um, we, we have to get a job done. How do we communicate with one another and collaborate with one another so that we can get those jobs done? Also, if, if there's an issue, there's a crisis, a situation where where we call a crucial conversation, how do we engage in those crucial conversations in a way that's going to be productive and have a good outcome for everyone? Well, you bring up a lot of good points with your questions. One of the first things that comes to my mind is a realization of where we stand right now with our communication and our leadership and coaching abilities. And quite frankly, if I, if I can be frank, I would be, uh, to be perfectly honest, I'd say that we pretty much suck at it most of the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm putting myself into that same, same pot too. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not (laughs) any better than anyone else. I think that too often we think of ourselves as being good communicators and good leaders but really, the proof is in the pudding, and oftentimes in our business situations, we're just not getting good results. We, we have good people leaving our organizations because of poor communication, because of lack of leadership. And so these are areas that I think are really things that we really need to look at more, much more closely than we have in the past to see what do we need to do to hold ourselves accountable internally to being better leaders, better coaches, and better communicators. Yeah, because re- retention is a big thing now. I remember not hearing about retention uh, a lot just over the years. And now, you know, I, I can Google workplace culture, leadership, and retention always comes up and recruitment. And what pops up in my head is, okay, 
when we're re- recruiting people, what are we looking for? And if when we're trying to keep people, what are we looking for? People aren't going to stay if communication isn't happening in their environment. If people aren't communicating openly, if people aren't communicating with trust and, and clarity, people start leaving. And sometimes they don't physically leave. They're, they don't physically leave first. They mentally leave. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And also, even been a part of interviews, right? Man, I'll let you talk a little bit about that, too. It's been a part of interviews. We're also looking for people who, who can communicate. It, everyone's not a, great at interviews, but being able to communicate effectively the value that they can bring um, to the organization is, is always important to me. Um, so talk a little bit about your experience with recruitment and retention and, and how that relates to communication. Sure. So first of all, as you were, were speaking, I was thinking about uh, often experience that I've had, and I think a lot of other people have as managers as well, where they look through resumes and applications and they see people that regularly say that they're a great communicator. Uh, I see that in different language, but it all kind of boils down to that many, many times. And, and what I really would like to ask those individuals when I read that is, what specifically have you done to make yourself a better communicator? Uh, communication is a skill that just like any other, just like riding a bicycle, you don't just become good at it because you say you're good at it. There are steps that you have to take and you have to physically get out on that bicycle and you start with training wheels and you fall and you skin your knee and so on and so forth. You get back on that, that bike and eventually you get good enough to take the training wheels off and, and so on and so forth. And, and that's how you build those skills. Communication is exactly the same way, but we don't think about it the same way. So oftentimes we say we're good communicators, but when you really look at how someone communicates, there's really not much proof that indicates that that person is great at it. So, yeah, we will definitely look at what makes a person an effective or or a good communicator. Right there. There are different characteristics um, that show that people are good communicators. And we're also looking at outcome. How would I, I, I even know? know. How, how am I even measuring that, that you, you are, are the communicator? communicator? So, Alan, it, there are times when we're in a room, we're facilitating together. In our leadership teams, we're facilitating in, in groups where they're the staff who are in the trenches, who are doing face-to-face direct work. Um, sometimes we're in rooms where there are executive leaders one of the things that we're looking for is how are these people communicating and what do we personally as facilitators and consultants and coaches, what is it that we need to be looking for to determine if people are actually effectively communicating that they have good communication. Talk to me a little bit about some of the things that you're looking for that makes people good communicators. So good communication starts with an intentional a process, right? So we don't just go into this willy-nilly. It's not so much a water cooler conversation. If it's one of these more crucial type of conversations, then we need to be very intentional in how we do it, and we need to bring all the elements of good communication in. And we can talk about what those elements are, um, but some of them seem to be fairly obvious, things like listening or 
or really speaking um, with an authentic voice. I, I would say that those things aren't obvious. That's the reason that we're teaching it, right? And Fair enough. I'll just go back and then I want to come back to you to talk about what you're looking for. We had to get trained. We're consistently getting trained, right? As a good facilitator and consultant or coach, you're constantly getting trained either by your peers or by people we consider experts, people that we look up to. And it's specific things that they're looking for in us to determine if we understand what good communication is and if we're doing it ourselves. And so when we go into those rooms, what are some of the things that that we're looking for? And I'll let you talk a little bit about what you're looking for and what you're teaching. And you talked about that, like listening and other things. Right. So there's there are some things that are foundational to good communication. One of them is using your voice and doing it in an authentic way. Uh, another one is listening. And when we talk about listening, we don't talk about casual listening, but we talk about a much deeper understanding of listening. We oftentimes say listening to understand and not necessarily to respond. And we could probably talk all day about how we go into some really bad, get into some bad habits as we talk about listening to just respond and that is just waiting until someone gives us a moment for us to speak back but really what we're talking about now is listening to understand what the intent behind what someone's saying is and that's a much deeper uh, level of listening yeah, that's 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 far down the road when we're talking about listening for intent i would say advanced communicators are doing listening for intent what are some of some of the basic listening tenets, right? Okay. So some of the basic listening tenets mm-hmm. would be just being attentive, mm-hmm. um, focusing on what someone is saying and what they're also not saying. Then we all also need to talk about nonverbal communication here, how someone's posturing their voice inflection or tone or volume can give you some indication mm-hmm. and context clues about what's really happening or how passionate they are about what what's going on. So those are, those are all parts of it as well. Uh, but we also need to think about things from a respectful standpoint as well, right? Too mm-hmm. many times we're too big, too much in a hurry to speak our mind and not really give someone the respect that we should to really hear them out or we cut them off short. And I'm certainly guilty of that myself sometimes. Um, and then, you got to get it out. You want to, you want to get your opinion out. And I think we're all guilty of that sometimes, particularly if we become passionate about the topic that we're talking about. The other thing is uh, this idea of suspension. And we're talking about suspension from a standpoint of not giving up on your thoughts about the topic, but suspending them long enough to really genuinely hear what someone else has to say and to ponder that, in context with what you already believe about the situation. So that takes a lot of work. Um, but some that's some of the tenets that we look for when, when we're talking about good communication. But some people are just annoying. Some people are just annoying. You don't want them in your space. Um, you may be busy. You got work to do. And you know that this person is going to come in your office. And that two-minute talk is going to turn into them them talking for 30 minutes and you don't want to hear that. I think we all know those people, right? Right. And that, that can be an issue. So when we're talking about listening, what if I don't want to hear what that person is saying? And I'm, I have full awareness that I don't want to listen to this person. 
What are ways that you're training people to go, all right, put put that aside that you don't want to listen to this person. You know this person's a, a talkaholic. You're going to give them a chance to say what they need to say. I mean, how, how are we training on that piece? And I can talk about some things that I do, but, but for yourself, how are you coaching people to deal with stuff like that? You know, I have to laugh just a little bit as you're trying to describe this situation because I think most of us have been in a similar situation in the past. Um, I, from my experience, I think one of the best ways to be able to handle that is to, to have an open and honest conversation to start with. We talk oftentimes about the importance of the role of relationship as it relates to communication, right? So if we have, and we have done a good job of establishing a good professional relationship with this person, particularly in a work environment, then I think it's very appropriate for us to establish those ground rules right off the bat. When, so, when are those ground rules established? I would say for me, it's going to take me a couple times figuring out that you just want to talk and I, and I'm trying to get things done. It's going to take me a couple of times having those types of interactions with you before I can really address that maybe um, this conversation don't need to be happening right now. For sure. I mean, the first thing that obviously has to happen whenever you build a new relationship, particularly say from an employer to an employee kind of situation is that establishment of what the protocols and expectations are. So that is a time when you're getting to know one another's personality. You start to learn and set some ground rules of what to expect. And those can be done in a formal and in an informal way. So the leader can set, let's just say supervisor. Okay. So the supervisor is setting the parameters. They're setting boundaries and, and limits with this person to say, okay, this is what the expectations are. One of the expectations are is that you don't come into my office and have a 30-minute conversation about nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we laugh about it, but this happens uh, every day in real life. And, and so if that is an issue, then clearly that needs to be articulated so that everybody on board knows exactly what the expectations are and are not. So we oftentimes refer to this these kind of conversations as role clarification, right? So this is my role, this is your role, these are what this is what I expect, this is what do you need, what do you expect from me, um, and and set those foundational kind of conversations so that that's the basis by which you move forward. And if you've established those good conversations from the onset, then if at times down the road you're not following through with those, then you can refer back to those conversations. Mm -hmm. So it's really a good idea to early on establish those kind of rules. Now that doesn't mean to say that you can't retrofit that. There are times when maybe you didn't necessarily do a great job at the onset, or maybe you're still, it took some time to really learn the expectations of this person or their personality or whatever. That's fine. You can still go back at any time and say, I'd like for us to have a conversation about establishing what is expected between both of us. Right. And that could be formal meetings because I know supervisors who struggle with having formal meetings with their staff. Right. And when I'm talking about a formal meeting is kind of a, a checklist of these are the things that we're going to talk about. This is the way that our formal meeting is going to happen. Our administrative meeting is going to happen. I know supervisors that struggle with doing that. And I think they have to establish those types of things so that they can have effective meetings with people and, and expectations and role clarification. Like, 
what's expected of you, when it needs to be done, timelines and things like that. I think that you have to have those set for those one one on one meetings with people. I also think that when you're not having formal meetings, if a person wants to stop by your office and talk to you, I think those kind of situations have to be discussed too, or some, something has to be set up. And I'll give you an example. You may have employees who just want to come in and vent and complain. And I'm sure that never really happens, right? It, right. It, it happens. <laughs> it happens a lot. <laughs> and for me personally, there are certain people I allow to come to me and vent. And the reason that I allow those people to come to me and vent is because I know they are big producers. I can see their outcomes, right? And I can measure their outcomes. I know that they are hard workers. They're doing good work. So when they want to come and vent to me about something, I'm okay with that. Now, where my bias kicks in is for the people who I believe do more talking than work, right? And to go back to the listening piece, I have to open myself up to still listen to those people that don't meet my expectations for good work. And it don't have to be a lot of work. What I'm talking about is quality. I'm more of a quality person and not a quantity person. But I, I'm, I really have to work on that whole venting piece. And, and it just came up a couple of weeks ago for me is that's one of the things that I'm really not open to. But I can also say that I've read a lot and I've listened to to a lot of people who are in the um, consulting arena and coaching arena who don't agree with allowing people to vent. It's that can be very detrimental to to the environment and to um, production. I don't know. What are your thoughts about it? I think you have to be really careful. I, I do think that there is an appropriate way to let off steam. And I think that there are times whenever that is needed. I also think that you have to be really careful who you vent to. And you have to be ca really careful who you encourage others to vent to you. And uh, some of that is based on your role within the organization. Some of it is based on your relationship, of course, and what the intent is. Um, uh, I would even go so far as to say I think you need to be careful in how and where that venting takes place. Maybe uh, an appropriate, maybe a more appropriate setting for a venting session should be outside of the office. I have fairly recently actually encouraged an employee to come to me to express concerns in that way. I also at the same time encouraged them to not go to other places because I wanted them as their supervisor, I wanted them to come to me and let me know how they were feeling. And I felt like that I could manage that more appropriately than if let's say they went to a peer or some other supervisor who may not necessarily have as close of a working relationship with this person as I do. So I think there is an appropriate need for that. And I also think there's an appropriate way to do it. So you're talking about coaching. You coach people how to vent, right? Look, you coach people coaching, how to vent. Coaching never stops, right? right? Uh, uh, you know, if we were to use a sports analogy, you know, the, the, the head coach of the football team does not stop being the coach when the game is over. Right. You know, in fact, they probably do much more coaching when you, the cameras are turned off, when you don't see it, when you're watching. 
Um, because the, the game itself is the production, right? But all the coaching goes in long before and after the production is presented to the public. So I, I think we could talk all day and we probably will talk down the road about the importance of coaching and, and what all that goes in with, into that. But that's exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, all these things are not unique concepts unto themselves. Coaching and leadership and communication and understanding these things and how they intertwine is incredibly important in being good people, good neighbors, good supervisors, good community supporters, good husbands, good Mm -hmm. wives, Mm -hmm. good fathers, good children. I mean, this is really about more about relationships with people than it is necessarily any any hierarchy or structure from a work standpoint. I would say relationship with yourself actually initiates it. For you sure. got to have a good relationship with yourself to be authentic. Well, um, and, and not everyone is willing to look at themselves in an honest way and try to be better at what they do. I think by and large, we tend to be more superficial than that. And I wish that weren't true, but that's my my perspective at least. As we close, I want to thank you for joining Well Maybe. If you enjoyed Honest Conversation, applauded unpolished responses, and appreciated humor, or you just wanted some great practical advice about communication and leadership, this is the podcast for you. Hit that subscribe button and turn on those notifications. Send your questions and responses to wellmaybepodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And let's connect next week for some fun and entertaining growing together. Until next time, Breon and Alan signing out.